Welcome in, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D Y N O Underground. And <laughs> we got some comedy. Apparently, I've got a comedian in one of my leagues. No, um, he just he just doesn't listen to the podcast, obviously, because as I sat down to record. This episode, I got a notification, got the sleeper notification on my phone, checked it, and it just says Robert Woods for Jonathan Taylor with a question mark. <laughs> um, I wish I spoke more languages so I could say no in all of them. The only ones I know are English and Spanish. I don't know Spanish, but I know how to say no in Spanish, and it's because it's the same as it is in English. So, Justin, if you are listening, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm not giving you Jonathan Taylor for anybody on your roster. Not Nobody. Jonathan Taylor is mine, okay? Jonathan Taylor is my boy. Me and Jonathan Taylor are partners. He doesn't know it. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor doesn't know that he and I are partners, but we are. That's just how it is. That's just how it goes right now. That's how it's going. Um, he's got me in his corner. You know, I'm like the, uh, I'm like angels in the end zone, even though I'm not really helping him play. I'm just pointing out that he's going to play well. <laughs> uh, but without further ado, we've got to get into what we learned from week seven. All right, let's get started. And as usual, I'm not giving notes on every game, just, you know, the stuff that stood out, like the song said, what stands out. <coughs> uh, the first thing to me is in the Tampa Bay game. So Ronald Jones gets 13 carries and one catch on two targets for 36 total yards and a touchdown. Belled, you know, fantasy managers out with the touchdown. But Leonard Fournette came back this week, and he gets 11 carries, so two less carries, but he gets seven catches on six targets for a total of 97 yards. This is, I mean, this is probably how it's going to be. This is how it was going to be. It was fun. You know, I own Ronald Jones. I roster Ronald Jones in one fantasy league. One dynasty league. I got him super late in the startup last year. And you know, I, I didn't move him. I probably should have moved him. I didn't move him. But this is prob probably going to be the norm. It's probably going to be a pretty even split. I'm assuming Leonard Fournette is going to catch more passes. I don't know why Leonard Fournette doesn't... Okay, I do know why he doesn't get a whole lot of respect as a pass catcher. It's because he's not 
particularly a route runner. He catches swing passes, dump off, stuff like that. But basically what this means is he's going to be out there and passing down situations. You know, these guys are going to split touches a lot more evenly than people want. And it's going to cap their upside. You know, it's, it caps their upside. It lowers their floor. Yeah, one of them, you know, this week it worked out. It worked out just fine. You know, if you started Leonard Fournette and you got 97 yards and six catches, if you're in any kind of a PPR league, you had a decent week. If you started Ronald Jones and you got the 36 total yards and the touchdown, you know, that wasn't bad either. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. It's probably going to be like that sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, neither one of them are usable. And sometimes one of them might have a big game. One of them might fall into the end zone twice. One of them might bust off a long run. That's just how it's going to be. I mean, at least in my opinion, it's going to be a pretty even split. Something we, something we need to pay attention to in the future, you know, in the weeks ahead. But, you know, starting in this week where Leonard Ford's back and healthy, I mean, they didn't really waste any time. Leonard Fournette outtouched Ronald Jones. Moving to a different game, I want to talk about the Cincinnati wide receivers right now because they are all three starting to look usable for fantasy. You know, T. Higgins in this one, he's been coming on as, as of late. He only gets five targets in this one compared to 13 apiece for A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. But, you know, at least, you know, Cincinnati's just throwing the ball so much. They're throwing the ball so much they don't have a tight end of consequence is you know i'm not saying all three of these guys are going to have big weeks each week or be super usable each week but i think they each go into each matchup with you know somewhat of i i guess a chance at a high floor would be what i'm trying to say you know they should all get some type of usage that we can count on. Um, and that's fine. You know, if with Cincinnati throwing the ball a hundred times a game and you have three talented pass catchers, that's okay. Especially, you know, because all of these guys were draft values. I, I mean, if they're going to get used like this, then they were all draft value. So, you know, we don't really have a whole lot to complain about right now. Um, you know, Giovanni Bernard comes in for Joe Mixon and he performs admirably. That's fine. But yeah, these wide receivers for Cincinnati, I understand if there's a little bit of trepidation for starting AJ Green. But you know, for the most part, AJ Green is getting targets. Um it did seem like there was a little bit of discourse between he and the organization a couple of weeks ago. That seems like it might be in the rearview mirror at this point. Something to pay attention to. Maybe he gets traded. I know John Ross has requested a trade, or so that's been reported. Um, kind of want Green Bay to go get one of them. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, let's move on to a different game, and this is one I'm excited for. Because J.D. McKissick, for the Washington football team, only gets five carries in this game and two catches on two targets for 51 total yards. But Antonio Gibson, ladies and gentlemen, Antonio Gibson gets 20 carries 
for 128 yards and the touchdown. This is what we want. This is what we've been waiting for for Antonio Gibson. This is what his upside is. This is a 99th percentile speed score athlete. This is an explosive football player. And he only got one target for no catches. I mean, his ceiling is higher than this. His ceiling is tacking on three to four receptions on top of 20 carries. That could be in the future for Antonio Gibson. Honestly, it should be in the future, friend. It should be as soon as next week for Antonio Gibson because I don't know why J.D. McKissick is getting work in lieu of Antonio Gibson. But, you know, this is something I wanted to touch on because last week it was pretty grim. It was it was grim, you know, the usage because it was a lot more even than, you know, 20 to 7. Um, on the other side of that game, the Dallas wide receiver group is going to be hard to trust, at least in my opinion. It's going to be something I'm going to be monitoring in the coming weeks because, you know, we've not really been using Michael Gallup anyways, but CeeDee Lamb struggles in this one, reeling in zero catches on five targets. Does get a carry, but that didn't do much either. And Amari Cooper does get seven catches on seven targets, plus a carry for 85 total yards. So, you know, Michael got, Michael Gallup has kind of been on the outs for most of the season. It's been basically the C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper show. But, you know, now we're talking third string, third string quarterback, most likely for Dallas next week. And, I mean, let's just face it, even with Andy Dalton, this offense is not going to be what it was headed headed towards with Dak Prescott. With Dak Prescott, it was trending towards being a fantasy points hotbed. You know, everyone was going to score fantasy points. Dak, CD, Cooper, Gallup was going to have some weeks. Schultz had some weeks. Ezekiel Elliott was going to have some weeks. The offense isn't as good. It's not as good without Dak Prescott. It's not as good with Andy Dalton. So the entire ceiling as a whole is capped. And that, of course, caps the individuals. We at least need, because Amari Cooper was an early round pick, we need him. I mean, seven targets needs to be the minimum for Cooper, honestly. Um, they should be in passing situations a lot still. You know, this, the defense still is not good. They got Leighton Van Der Esch back. But, you know, I don't think he's going to solve all the problems. It should still be a pretty porous defense. I would imagine Dallas is going to be in passing down situations fairly often, <laughs> to say the least. Moving on to the Detroit-Atlanta game. Not much I want to talk about from the Atlanta Falcons side of the ball. I want to talk about something that, you know, I was super excited, you know, when to report on the Antonio Gibson-JD McKissick split. I'm not too excited about this one. This one sucks. This one's a bummer. This one, oh man, this one hurts. So DeAndre Swift has a fine fantasy game. It's not great. It certainly isn't what you know isn't what he gave us in week six, but he gets nine carries 
and four catches on five targets. That's great. Four catches, five targets. I'll take that every week for DeAndre Swift. He only gets nine carries, only gets 48 total yards, which that's fine. That's going to happen. He does get the touchdown. Like I said, it was fine. It's, it's, it's a fine fantasy performance for DeAndre Swift. But here's what I don't like. Adrian Peterson got 11 carries and one catch on one target. So he got two more carries than DeAndre Swift did, and Swift only got two more total opportunities for touches. Um, You know, and this is what I was worried about. You know, I put on Twitter before the game started that, you know, week seven felt like a trap week for DeAndre Swift. And what I meant by that is, you know, we've all been sitting on DeAndre Swift. You know, I've traded for him in my main dynasty league. He's just been sitting on my bench. You know, we've been waiting for the breakout performance. He had it in week six. But, you know, I was still worried that he wasn't going to, you know, and we got the whole, you know, the Roto World blurbs, you know, the article that read expanded role for DeAndre Swift in week seven. And, you know, didn't really seem like it. Didn't seem like it to me, did it? No. Um, and it just happens. I don't know why it happens, but it happens. You know, you've got one guy that's clearly the better player. DeAndre Swift was drafted in the second round this year. He is faster, quicker, better in the passing game. He's more explosive than both Adrian Peterson and Carrion Johnson. I don't know why. Adrian Peterson is getting more carries <laughs> than DeAndre Swift. I don't know why they are essentially splitting carries right down the middle. Now, the good thing is, um, you look at week six, each one of them basically had about a third of the snaps. You know, um, DeAndre Swift was a little bit higher than a third, 37%, I think, snap share. And Carrion Johnson and, and Adrian Peterson were both, you know, around the 27 to 31% range, I think. So not quite, but not quite a third, but basically a third apiece. This week, Carrion Johnson only had a 22% snap share, did not record a carry or a target. No yards for Carrion Johnson. So, hopefully for DeAndre Swift managers, Carrion Johnson has at least been phased out. But we've got, I don't know, I, I still think we have to play the waiting game for DeAndre Swift. You know, it made a lot of sense, you know, saying, oh, you know, they're going to come out, they're going to come out of the bye week and that's going to be DeAndre Swift's time to shine. That's when they're going to make the switch. And that's what it seemed like. It seemed like that's what happened. But then another week comes and goes. And he's basically splitting touches evenly with Adrian Peterson. And, you know, it's not fun. It's not fun. And it's irritating. It's irritating and it's frustrating because this guy is clearly better than Adrian Peterson. Something we still need to keep paying attention to. We need to keep monitoring. 
Uh, let's move on to a different game now. This is going to be kind of gross. Oh my, we got to talk about the Bills-Jets game. The 18-10 performance there. Um, Devin Singletary for the Bills gets eight carries and two catches on five targets. So five targets is pretty substantial, but he only gets two catches on them for 47 total yards. Zach Moss gets seven carries and three catches on three targets for 72 total yards. So we're still looking at a dead even timeshare pretty much in Buffalo. You know, we've got 10 total touches for Devin Singletary, 13 total opportunities, and 10 total touches as well for Zach Moss, 10 total opportunities. So, you know, these guys just aren't moving the needle for fantasy, period. You know, I know Devin Singletary has a lot of truthers out there. Zach Moss has a lot of truthers out there. You know, I was firmly in the camp this draft season of drafting Zach Moss at his ADP over Devin Singletary at his ADP. And while technically I think that was the smart move <laughs> because they are – when they're both on the field, they're performing similarly. But what are you going to do? You can't drop Devin Singletary, can you? Like in a redraft, I mean, of course you're not dropping either one in a dynasty league. But if you're in a redraft league, are you going to drop Devin Singletary? Probably not. You probably could, but I mean, I think he's a good player. You don't want to drop a good player. But eight carries, two catches, 47 yards, that's not going to do it. That's not going to that's not going to get the job done. It's not like he's scoring a bunch of touchdowns either. I mean, he's just he's just so bleh for fantasy. That's that's the best way I can describe it. It's just bleh. On the flip side of that game, Frank Gore, the wondrous ageless Frank Gore, gets 11 carries for 60 yards, no catches, while LaMichael Pirine also gets 11 carries. Plus two catches on three targets for 55 total yards and a rushing touchdown. So these guys split it pretty evenly. If I had to choose which one I wanted, it would be LaMichael P. Ryan. Especially for Dynasty, just because I think we know what Frank Gore is at this point. You know, he he's just a grinder. You know, he's a probably below replacement level running back in the NFL with probably good vision and good instincts. But he's not explosive. He's not quick. He's not fast. LaMichael P. Ryan has the potential to be some of those things. And so if I had to take my pick, if I got to take my pick, especially in Dynasty, because LaMichael P. Ryan is young enough to be Frank Gore's son almost, <laughs> um, I'm going with Michael P. Ryan there. But are we excited about anybody in this Jets running game? Are we excited about anybody on the Jets, period, for fantasy football? No. Maybe Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder when he's healthy. But as far as the running, running game goes, running backs, ancillary pieces, no. <laughs> we don't want any Jets players on our teams. Now, let's switch over to... The Los Angeles Chargers game because Justin Jackson, you know, a lot of people had some expectations for him after a solid showing in New Orleans. 
He only gets five carries in this game. Does rack up five catches on six targets, but only for 55 total yards. While Joshua Kelly gets 12 carries, as well as five catches on five targets, but only 53 total yards. So he had seven more touches. No, sorry, seven more carries. Um, Yeah, no, seven more touches than Justin Jackson and two less yards. I I don't know. I was a Josh Kelly. I was Joshua Kelly person before the draft, before the season started. I liked him at his value. I thought he was going to get on the field and get some touches, and I was right. He is. He is on the field getting touches. He's just not as good as I thought he might look, especially with Justin Herbert coming here. And this offense, I think, looks better than most people thought it would. It's putting up more points than I think most people thought it would with Tyrod Taylor. You know, Justin Herbert has provided a spark for this offense. And unfortunately, it doesn't really seem like it's fueling the running back position all that much. You know, we'll take, especially in a PPR league, we'll take five catches. We'll take 50-plus yards and five catches, especially for someone we got as late as Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson, especially with all the injuries and bye weeks and stuff that have been happening. You know, if you can get, if you can pencil in 10 PPR points from your flex position if you and you've lost a couple of running backs, that's not terrible. But, yeah, I mean, it's just something... I don't think Austin Eckler is any anywhere close to coming back soon. So these guys are probably going to be splitting work. You know, it's something we're going to we're going to have to pay attention to and see how they're being used. Now let's switch games over to Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Not a whole lot I want to talk about on the Tennessee side of the ball. Pretty you know pretty standard as far as that goes, but on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. Juju Smith-Schuster has nine catches on 14 targets for 85 yards. We'll take that. We'll take that every week. That's fine. We'd like to sprinkle a touchdown in here and there, but nine catches, 14 targets. Yeah, we'll take that. Deontay Johnson also gets nine catches on 15 targets for a respectable 80 yards and two touchdowns, and both of those touchdowns were Pretty impressive. The first one he catches, I mean, it was just, it was a tough throw. And like, it just, the ball barely squeaked by a couple of Tennessee defenders. And it took pretty good concentration for Deontay Johnson to haul it in. And then the second one he catches, right about probably the 12 yard line, if I'm remembering, remembering correctly, stops on a dime, spins around, and makes a defender miss and gets in the end zone. It was a nice play. Um, it's the kind of play that makes sense that he returns punts. You know, he, he can make moves in open space, in the open field. He can make people miss, and you know that's why he returns punts. He's a shifty football player. He's good with the ball in his hands, and that's why I like Deontay Johnson <laughs> because that's my type of guy right there. Um, and Chase Claypool, everybody's, you know, league winner, you know, proclaimed league winner this year. Look, this isn't the norm. You know, two weeks ago wasn't the norm either, but this isn't the norm. You know, he gets one catch on one target for negative two yards. 
Now, if we're being honest, we've got a situation here where, you know, I don't know who it's, we don't know who it's going to be each and every week. I feel like at least one of these wide receivers is going to have a good week, you know, every week, but it's probably impossible to tell which one. And so I think the answer probably is just to start Big Ben if you can. You know, if you're in a redraft league, Big Ben's on the waivers. I can't imagine that he would be. I don't. I mean, maybe with them playing Baltimore, maybe somebody's going to drop him. I don't know. I don't know. Depending on who my quarterback is, I don't think I would be that scared to pick up Big Ben and start him. They're going to throw the ball a ton. Uh, and they've got some really talented pass catchers. Um, so yeah, I think the answer is probably just to start Big Ben, and I'm probably throwing him into some DraftKings lineups next week. And, you know, I feel like his ownership percentage might be fairly low due to playing a stout defense, but I think he can still put up some numbers, and that's what I'm going to go with. Um, switch games again over to the Green Bay game because I want to talk about Jamal Williams. He basically slots directly into the Aaron Jones role. He gets 19 carries and four catches on five targets for 114 total yards and a rushing touchdown. I mean, it's great. If you're an Aaron Jones fantasy manager, I really hope you have Jamal Williams, especially if you're in a dynasty league with deep, you know, deep benches where it makes more sense to handcuff. I really hope you got Jamal Williams. Um, Well, AJ Dillon, dude, what are you doing, Green Bay? What are you doing, dude? You spend a second-round pick on this guy when you don't need a running back. This is a luxury pick. You take this guy because you're supposedly head over heels for him. Your starting running back gets hurt. Okay, now it's time to shine. It's time for this 250-pound, you know, supposedly lightning-quick, running, lightning-fast running back to shine. Um, five carries for 11 yards. No catches, just five carries, just 11 yards. He is a massive man, allegedly very fast. You know, his 40 time was really good. He can run fast. You know, I shouldn't say allegedly. He can run fast, but I mean, I don't know what Green Bay was doing. And, and it really sucks because... You know, I've, I'm a self-admitted, you know, pessimistic Green Bay Packers fan. This was Green Bay's chance to be like, no, we got a player here. You know, check this out. And just unleash the dude. But he doesn't look very good. Jamal Williams looks pretty good. A.J. Dillon, not so much. Um, switching games now to the Carolina-New Orleans game. Not much I want to report on for New Orleans. And it's the same old story with Carolina. First of all, you know, got the sleeper notification today that Mike Williams apparently is going to keep playing. You know, he's gonna he's going to have a role when Christian McCaffrey comes back. It makes sense, I think, because Mike Williams has performed admirably. I wouldn't be I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't be splitting these guys. I wouldn't be splitting touches right down the middle by any means. But I think it makes plenty of sense, you know, to give Christian McCaffrey a breather here and there. 
You know, and this is just this is just if it was me. But yeah, Christian McCaffrey would still be my workhorse running back. He would still see a vast majority of the touches and snaps. But if he's gassed, if he breaks off a long run and he needs to catch his breath, I wouldn't be scared to throw Mike Davis in there and throw him a pass or have him run a route or you know, call a pass play with Mike Davis in there. It's fine. Your offense is going to be fine. Is he the explosive athlete that Christian McCaffrey is? No, of course not. Of course he's not. But he's a good football player. He's a good running back. He's a capable pass catcher. He is probably an above replacement level running back. I'm not saying he's a complete difference maker, but I think he's probably, you know, his pass catching prowess makes him above makes him an above replacement level running back. And you know, you got this player on your team. You might as well use him. You know, just lighten the load a little bit on McCaffrey. You can't use Christian McCaffrey like Derrick Henry. You probably shouldn't use Derrick Henry like you use Derrick Henry. Giving these running backs 400 touches per season. Look, it's great for fantasy when they don't get hurt. It's awesome. It's I mean, it's a fantasy goldmine. But... You know, all it takes is one play. And, you know, each one of these teams, Carolina and Tennessee, has a lot of money invested in their players right now. You know, just, I'm not saying, you know, obviously they have to get their money's worth, quote unquote, but you don't got to overwork these guys. Let them stay healthy. (laughs) You know, 400 touches. Give them 350 touches. That's still so many. 350 touches over the course of a 16-game season is still 22 touches per game, essentially. That's so many. That's fine. You don't got to do 400 for either one of them. You probably shouldn't do 400 for either one of them because you're going to get them hurt. And this isn't me saying, like, oh, Christian McCaffrey's small, so blah, 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 blah. No, I don't really believe in that. I think running backs get hurt no matter what their size. Um, you know, We see some of the biggest players in the league constantly be dealing with injuries, you know. Um, that's why it, it never really made sense to me, you know, with, you know, Baker Mayfield coming in to call or coming in from college and Kyler Murray coming in from college. You know, there was always the people saying, oh, I don't know, they're too small. They're going to get destroyed back there. They're going to get annihilated. You know, meanwhile, you have players like Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton literally always getting hurt. (laughs) You know, they're two of the biggest quarterbacks probably the league's ever seen, and they're always getting hurt. You know, I I think it's probably more random chance than we want to believe, but... Yeah, this isn't me saying that Christian McCaffrey is too small to carry the load of 400 touches. This is me saying that probably nobody should be getting 400 touches per season. But what I wanted to get to with this game is DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Yep, got a report on it. The weekly report on DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Now, DJ Moore has the big game. With four catches on five targets, 93 yards, breaks another long touchdown in this one, and you know, two total touchdowns. That's great. We'll take that. I mean, 
I I may I have DJ Moore on a couple of different rosters. Yeah, I would take half that production every week, you know, 40 something yards and one touchdown. I'd take it, sure. No, um but Robbie Anderson gets six catches. So literally more catches than DJ Moore had targets. He has six catches on eight targets for 74 yards. This brings their season totals to, for Robbie Anderson, 46 catches on 59 targets for 640 yards and one touchdown. So 46 on 59 for 640 and one. DJ Moore only has 31 catches. He has 53 targets, but he only has 31 catches. 556 yards and three touchdowns. Now, I don't have to keep repeating the same take on these two players every week. You know, oh, I think so-and-so's the wide receiver one, or so-and-so's the 1A and he is the 1B, blah, blah, blah. I think it's pretty clear by this point they're going to get similar usage. It's just something that I want to continue to report on because if a trend starts moving a certain way, you know, if usage starts shifting a little bit towards one player, I want to have it on record. I want to have it in front of me. You know, I've got the notes in front of me right now. You know, that's, that's the paper. I got the notes on. Yeah. I'm using pen and paper here at the dynasty underground because that's how I roll. No, it's also just because I write faster than I type. So, um, no, but it, I want to, it's something I want to keep, my eye on you know it, it's much like the kareem hunt nick chubb situation before nick chubb got hurt you know, i was reporting on their touches every week i'm going to re be reporting on dj moore and robbie anderson's touches every week to see if one starts separating from the other and if we can you know get out ahead of it I and mean, obviously robbie anderson is pulling away in both receptions receptions for sure targets yeah maybe sure for receptions, for sure. He has 15 more catches on the season than DJ Moore does. <clears throat> so, I mean, it is something that we need to be uh, we need to be cognizant of, to say the least. Now, that's going to bring us to the last game of the week: the LA Rams versus Chicago Bears. Not a whole lot I want to talk about on Chicago Bears' side. Um, Darnell Mooney was getting a lot of deep targets from Nick Foles, but they were all terrible. He's so terrible. He's so bad. Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter next week. They haven't announced anything yet. You know, the game just ended like an hour ago from me recording this. I'm not even from me recording this. For me, to this point, the game ended like an hour ago. I'm telling you right now, Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback in Week 8. He should be. Oh my goodness, Nick Foles is so bad. I know Mitch Trubisky isn't great either, but you can't keep throwing Nick Foles out there. It's just, it's terrible. It's so bad. Um, but it is significant, Darnell Mooney's usage, because Allen Robinson, was be he left the field, Left the game to be evaluated for a concussion. Never came back. Darnell Mooney is looking like he could be a steal. You know, he's clearly usurped um, Anthony Miller. 
But if Allen Robinson is going to miss time, Anthony Miller could be back in the mix until Robinson comes back. But I'm kind of excited for Darnell Moody. You know, he was a player that wasn't really on my radar throughout this entire offseason process, but he looks like a talented dude. You know, and to go out there and just usurp another talented player in Anthony Miller is pretty impressive. It's something we need to take note of and something we need to pay attention to. But what I want to talk about is the Rams' backfield. Cam Akers, dude. I don't know what's going on with Cam Akers. You know, I brought this up on, I think, the last episode. I was down on Cam Akers. For sure, I was down on Cam Akers, you know, after he got drafted by the Rams. And when I did my my remixed, you know, rookie rankings where I, you know, I redid them to where I felt better about them. I had Cam Akers at the bottom of the first round, not the top like everybody else. I had him at the bottom. And he doesn't even record a snap, a 0% snap percentage in week seven. In a game where Los Angeles was leading quite a, by quite a bit in the fourth quarter, Cam Akers never sets foot on the field. I don't get what the deal is. Meanwhile, Darrell Henderson is racking up 15 carries for 64 yards, two more or two catches on two targets for 13 more yards. So 17 total touches, 17 total opportunities for um, 77 yards. And Malcolm Brown, Malcolm Brown did make another, you know, another. You know, I don't know what he wanted to do. Another appearance in this game. He gets 10 carries for 57 yards and does get the touchdown. He gets one target, doesn't catch it. But it's starting to look like, I think it's probably you know, an even split between Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson. You know, he only get Malcolm Brown only got two rushing attempts last week for four yards. But he did get three catches on four targets, but he had a 47% snap share. He had 39% snap share in this game. I think Darrell Henderson, he's definitely better than Malcolm Brown. I have, Malcolm Brown is just a guy. He's just a dude back there. There's nothing special about him when it comes to other NFL talent. I don't know what's going on with Cam Akers. I think. I almost think that Cam Akers has to be dealing with some type of injury. And honestly, this might sound gross. I'm buying Cam Akers in Dynasty if I can. If I can get him for cheap, because the dude's not even setting foot on the field. He's doing nothing. He's had a combined one snap in the past two weeks. Um... I mean, I think he's still a talented player. I was really high on Cam Akers before the draft, but I didn't like his landing spot. I liked some of the other running backs' landing spots. I liked some of the wide receivers' landing spots. And so I moved Cam Akers down my list. But I still like the player. I still think he's a good player. And so 
yeah, I'm I'm gonna float out, you know, some I doubt you could get him for a second round, a 2021 second, but if I could, I would float that out there, sure. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna float that out there right now in a couple of my dynasty leagues. Um yeah, I don't know what to make of it. It really sucks, especially in redraft when people were drafting him in you know the fifth, sixth round. You probably dropped him by now, honestly. You know, I picked him up in one of my redraft leagues, and I thought I was getting a steal. Somebody dropped him. I was like, oh yeah, dude, can't makers. Let me add him. And he's just been not good at all. But that is gonna do it for this week's episode. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Walmack, and as always, thanks for listening. Yeah.